Welcome to Pat Sherlock's podcast series, interviews with top mortgage sales leaders. Learn practical tips for improving sales management results. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the podcast. Today, I have an exciting topic because everyone as a manager faces this. It's prioritizing your time, too much to do and not enough time to do it. Today, I'm so thrilled to have Terry Aiken with me. He's a experienced mortgage banker who is currently a managing director for MGIC and heads up the West Central region. Terry has been in the mortgage business for a long time and has had really every different type of position that you can have in mortgage banking and has probably seen everything. So, Terry, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Pat. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited because this is such a crucial topic. Let's talk about your own career. How did you get into managing and and share with uh, your journey? Wow, good good question. I, I suppose how I was how I got into it is tied so closely to how I was selected by a manager a long time ago. So I, it, it's interesting. It's about, I guess about four years or so into my first career with an insurance company. So it's 1990, maybe 1991. I was deeply invested into my role as an individual contributor. Like most people, I wanted to be an expert in my field. I was also good, frankly. I was I was really good at what I did, but I was I was also really you know super naive and maybe underdeveloped in many areas. But I guess that's another management story. Um, um, yeah. But I guess but I guess because I had such a thoughtful approach to how I interacted with people and I wanted more, I unknowingly put myself in a position to get noticed by others. So you know many people set out to manage people. I didn't. I merely put myself in a position even without thinking about management, I, I guess, you know, probably because it was more linked to my growth mindset. I personally wanted to grow. I kept asking for more. So how did I get into management? I guess I put myself in a position to get noticed and a vice president asked me to lead a team of eight or nine production people. I think when you look back over it, Terry, what was the best advice that you really ever heard on the managing topic? And why don't you share that? That's an easy question and, and something jumps out immediately when you say best advice. I had a great mentor and I think everyone in any position as an individual contributor or manager needs a mentor to help them you know, move through the life cycle of a manager or individual contributor. My mentor didn't provide answers to questions. He really offered more questions for me to answer. He probably also knew how to get the most out of me, and that was one of the ways to do it. Because I'm, I'm not a person that if you provide me a fish, I'm never going to learn how to fish. So he really taught me how to fish. But he also knew that as soon as I learned how to fish, I'd want to figure out what the best rod and reel was, and then how the rod and reel was constructed, and what the best bait to use, and all of the different unique attributes of fishing. I know, kind of a weird transition. I had to learn and experience it. And that was best for me. So the best advice was a question my mentor asked of me and one that he asked me to ponder. And the question was, Terry, do you want to sell widgets or do you want to develop people? And that caused me a lot of self-reflection because they are two very different skill sets. And frankly, they often collide. 
-hmm. as a manager or leader. You can't do one or the other. I went back and forth a number of times in my career, and that was really the best advice for me was to figure out what I wanted to do. Did I want to sell widgets as an individual contributor? Did I, did I want to develop people? Well, that's that's a great comment. Were you were there was there any books or sales management books that you actually used in your managing days? Yes. You know, so more recently, a favorite book, and I like the easy books, short read to the point. Personally don't need a lot of fluff. I like to get right to it. Mm-hmm. It's a book titled it's the extra degree, 212. Mm-hmm. Super easy read, but straight to the point. And then Patrick Linconi, Linsoni, his books are amazing, especially The Five Dif- Dysfunctions of a Team and Death by Meetings. Yeah, Death by Meetings. Fantastic. <laughs> and, and oh, goodness, I know you chuckle. We all, yeah, it feels, feels like, you know, paper cuts. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Yeah. So when you look back in all these years uh, that you've managed, what is the secret sauce that many people miss from your viewpoint? From my viewpoint, it's hiring passionately driven, open-minded people. Passionately driven, open-minded people want more. They study their craft more than others. Mm -hmm. They ask more questions of their organization and their clients. Mm -hmm. They're driven to solve problems and they're driven to produce results. You know, and combined with that open mind, where they can accept change in a dynamically changing industry like the one that I operate in, it's vital. I mm-hmm. truly believe that people stuck in the past will stay in the past and mm-hmm. people more concerned about the future, right, suffer from a lot of anxiety and they fail to see the good stuff they have right in front of them. I listened to a podcast recently. It wasn't yours. It was someone else really, really good on a national side. And the, that content creator asked his audience to consider where they focused their time. Do you focus your time on what you have or what is missing? You know, in a sales-driven world, 80 to 90% of us high achievers focus on what we don't have, right? So mm-hmm. there's, therein lies that curse. But focusing on what you do have and using that as the fuel to move you in a direction of your goals is far better for personal and business health. So I see the secret sauce as attitude, passion, and open-mindedness. Well, that's a great comment. And actually, it's a topic that's close to my heart for sure, because that's the reason why I had started my own consulting business. So I think you really have hit on, if you don't get the people part right, really, uh, you're in trouble mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. when you when you look back over all these years, and you've had, I'm sure, good teams, where you probably went into places where the teams weren't that good, share the key practice that you keep coming back to whenever you are obviously running a team? Another good question. I'll share the practice that keeps me focused after I kind of answer the why, right? Simon Sinek explored the why. What a fantastic book. Another great book. The the why for me, and and then it's the practice. The why for me is the personal joy and happiness and a satisfaction, very selfishly, that I get when I'm involved, even in the smallest way, with helping someone else achieve their goal. Mm-hmm. That's not me doing it, but it's it's helping someone find their path to whatever they determine success is. Mm-hmm. And the practice itself, the practice, I believe, is rooted in routine. Mm-hmm. And because I'm pretty straightforward and candid, I 
didn't find the true value of routine in my life until I found triathlon. I'm a, I'm a recovering triathlete. I completed three Ironman distance triathlons after the age of 50. I could not have finished. Mm-hmm. I couldn't have finished a triathlon without a rock solid exercise and nutrition routine. So you, just like sales and in triathlon, you don't need massive daily changes. You just need a plan with consistency and regular measurements. Mm-hmm. I needed a plan with re- regular measurements and any salesperson, you measure your progress to ensure that the plan that you have is producing results. Mm-hmm. And that I believe is the secret sauce to success. So you do what you're passionate about. You have a plan, you mm-hmm. have a routine, you stick to it, you measure it, you make changes when the results are not in line with the direction you want to go. But your question about you know what key practice keeps me tied to leading and helping people, again, it's routine. I go to bed early. I go to bed every night about nine o'clock, but I wake up early. I get up at 4.30 in the morning. I mm-hmm. stretch, I run, I bike, I still do that. I listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll read. I'll, uh, I have a routine of reading in the morning. I focus on what I have. I try to f- begin my day with a good spot. I'm not. I'm not talking lava lamps and incense here. It's just. It's where. <laughs> it's where I begin. I want to. Want to begin my day in a good spot. I want to mm-hmm. begin my day with a. A task list of priorities that you know have two or three big rocks that I need to move forward. And I don't let that small stuff get in my way of moving the big rocks forward. So. It's having a routine all rooted in my why. Right. No, that, that's that's actually an excellent point that you're making, which leads us to our topic today. Obviously, it's all about time management and mm-hmm, this whole issue mm-hmm. of, you know, too much to do, not enough time to do it. Why don't you share kind of how you've managed it and what you think works and what doesn't work? I don't believe time is the issue. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Contrary to popular opinion, I don't think time is the issue because you can't negotiate more time. There's right. never enough time. Maybe it's the list is too long or the appetite is too big. Mm-hmm. Everyone has the same amount of time every day. It's 24 hours. That's it. Manage it. Time's not negotiable, mm-hmm. right? So stop fighting it. Mm-hmm. Um, manage the stuff that you you can and keep moving forward. Accept it. You know, begin with the right amount of sleep the right, you know, exercise, you know, read every day, the, the, whatever is important to you, mm-hmm. you got to get that out of the way. And then you can attack the big stuff focused on the highest priority items of the day that leads to the highest and best use of your time for that week or that month. Again, I don't think it's time. I think it's our appetite. Work on the priorities first. That's business and personal life. Easy. I mean, easy to say. You have to manage it. It's hard to do, but time's not the issue. So when you're talking about that, which I think is really a great point, so it is this act of how do you set up a a priority? And when you're managing a sales team or in that role, what should be those priorities? And I think so often people look at it as the corporation has really established those goals, but really does come down to the individual manager. So why don't you share what worked for you? Yeah, I think it was focusing on people, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, kind of going back to maybe where I originally started. I was, you know, I said I was a little naive in the beginning and I had to learn a lot of lessons about myself and about Mm -hmm. people 
I was really quick to react. I was too emotionally invested in the outcome. And I, I was too black and white. Business and people operate in the middle. And I think that's where I am today. It's all about the people that work for you. When you hire the right people, you, you set the vision, you set the big rocks in place that align with corporate goals and corporate strategy mm-hmm. and individual strategy. Make sure those all are in line and then move the big rocks and sticks and stones out of the way of your good people. Let them move, advance the ball forward, right? Good sports analogy. And, and, and those that are stumbling or get tripped by a rock or trip over a stone, work on why they didn't see the rock or stone. You're working on the people. Mm-hmm. And the sales team or the customer service team or your ops team, whatever industry you're in, they all work together and they can work more cohesively when they work as a team instead of a bunch of individual contributors. I focused, maybe in short, I focused on the, the people. So when you focused on the people, where did you end up spending your time? If you were to divide the sales staff into your A players, your B players, and then your C players, and your C, C players obviously are mm-hmm. either average or underperforming, and your A players are yeah. your elite people. What was it? What was that lesson, and, and how did you actually handle your A players? Yeah, lesson probably not uncommon to most new managers. Mm-hmm. What I do today is I spend more time with my A and B players and less time with C players. And that is contrarian to what most people think. And as mm-hmm. I did for the first 10 years of my career, I spent an overwhelmingly amount of time with my C players trying to coach them up. Right. And what, what happens when you spend a majority of time with your C and B players? You miss the people doing maybe 70% of the work or 60% of the work. Right. Mm-hmm. Right. It's uh, you have to you have to protect those. So, again, it's priority and it's balance. I try to spend more time, at least on the personal side, the personal development side. Your eight players typically don't need a lot of coaching, a lot of strategy sessions. Right. You really just talk about the mission. Mm-hmm. You talk about advancing, asking, asking them what they feel about a particular situation or strategy. Mm-hmm. And you work in concert with those A players. You listen to the B players, you watch how that's happening and how you move as a team together. And the C players, it's either they don't have the skill set to move to a B or an A, mm-hmm. or there's something else going on that that holds them back. But yeah, I think the biggest lesson learned for me was don't spend all of my time on the C players because you're just going to miss the A's and B's. Well, I can't agree with you more. When you're when I'm in doing consulting work at lenders, I think that's the biggest mistake I see where the manager does not spend the time with the A player and as a result, that A player, if you lost them because of mm. that lack of time, you would really recognize that that was a, a poor managing efforts. So often the managers are spending time with C players. So I agree with you 100% mm-hmm. for that, for sure. So if you had other thoughts on, again, and I think this ties together with retaining the A players, what would be some of the suggestions you would, when you're saying personal development, what are you working on with them? I'm working on, candidly, working on as myself as much as I am helping them working on their direction. So I'm pretty candid about my management style with Mm -hmm. the team. I'm open in one-on-one sessions and I'm open in group sessions. 
And I think that's helped because we all have different management styles. And I tend to stay one step or a half step removed instead of being all in their business and micromanaging. Again, mm-hmm. a, a mistake I made in the first 10 years of my management career, right. getting too involved. So I tend to pull back. Now, knowing even if I have an A, B, or C, and I even, you know, we all strategize skill sets and people, but some people need a manager that is more involved. They need a regular two or three calls a day. They want they want a manager in their business. I personally struggle with that. So if I know that I have an A player that needs to hear from me once or twice a day for whatever reason, even if it's to talk about the dog or the family or the or the widget we're selling, I have to I have to work hard to do that. And if I miss a day or two, I could misrepresent myself like I don't care right. to that employee. So I have to openly talk about that, that I'm not ignoring you. It's my style to let you operate in an environment so you can just excel. And I think in large part, because that's how I like to be managed. If I need some help, I go seek the help. Right. If I'm not asking for help, I'm moving in a good spot. So you know, kind of don't get in my way. Well, I mean, the time has flown by in the last few minutes. I mean, we could go on for hours with this. This is a great topic, and your wisdom is really read on point. Why don't you wrap up for our listeners today a couple key points that you would want them to have as a takeaway? Time. Don't get focused on time. Get focused on your big rocks. Work Mm -hmm. on your priorities. You know, contrary to most business beliefs, I, I believe your priorities are with your personal health and your mindset first, because without that, you can't advance any business strategy and you can't have long-term success. Mm-hmm. So you work on yourself and your family first, do that early, get the right amount of sleep, the right amount of exercise. But then when you're at work, I think it is, as a manager, be cautious not to react too quickly and be cautious not to be too emotionally invested in the outcome. Think about your people. Your people are really smart. The collective team is super powerful. If you can focus on the vision and the overall strategy and communicate that out, let your team run with it, and then measure outcomes at periodic points to make sure you're moving or advancing whatever strategy or outcome you want, make sure you're moving in the right direction. Well, I want to thank Terry for joining us today, and I want to thank our listeners and certainly look for our next podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Pat.